0: Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C L A U D E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.
1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
0: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And today we've got, there's not really a whole lot of products coming out. It's but they're, July. Yeah. yeah. It's the middle of the year, it's not too crazy, but there is still a lot happening in the tech world, generally as there is. So we're gonna talk about a bunch of these different things. Some of them are more real newsy than others, but you'll see what we mean by that. (laughs) Uh, Plus we got a couple hot takes at the end. You have it's, to stay for hot takes. Apparently it's we're like making a segment out of this hot I like take thing. I really like the idea of a hot takes segment. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> we'll see I if we can cancel before we do another segment. We'll we'll definitely feel <laughs> it out. But I wanted to start off with um the most my, important one. My favorite major important headline of this entire week. For sure. Which is that Apple's weather app was discovered to not be showing 69 degrees Fahrenheit. To anyone, anywhere. Now, I saw this. I I saw this on Twitter first. I think The Verge got the first, like, they made an article about it. They wrote an article, and that was essentially the entire point of the article is like, guys, you can look in your weather app right now. If you're on iOS 14 or earlier, you can look up a city right now that's 69 degrees, find it in AccuWeather, find it in dark Mm -hmm. sky, whatever, and then open the Apple weather app, and it'll say 68 or 70. It refuses to show you 69 in the current temperature, in the forecast, and the highs and the lows, it just won't do it. I've seen it in my weather widget. Uh-huh. And as soon as I saw this headline, well, naturally I started looking up cities that I figured were about 69 degrees Fahrenheit. We went through, I think it took us like 90 seconds to find a couple, like one is in Maine. I think Adam found the first one in,
2: what? It was in some other country, but yeah, then yeah. we figured Boston. Boston, yeah, Boston
0: yeah. was another one. And we found it was 69 degrees in our AccuWeather app. And for some weird reason, it wasn't a data sourcing error. It really just refused from the same data source to show 69 degrees. So, okay. Immediately, the reactions are like, what? Okay, Apple, like, why? It's not that serious. Like, really spending extra energy coding to not show 69? What are you, that anti-meme? Like, is that seriously where we're at right now? feels almost like the, like... I guess it's not exactly the Streisand effect, but it's like if you're trying
2: to not show something, chances are everybody is going to show that more often. Yeah.
0: The second this article came out, I made a video like pulling up a city showing that it was 69 degrees in this city and that it was 68. I think it was it was showing 68 or 70 on Mm -hmm. my phone, 68. And yeah, you know immediately everyone starts checking and and fact checking their own phones and seeing what's going on lots of people running ios 15 beta were like you're wrong marquez it shows 69 right Mm -hmm. here it does show in ios 15 beta but you're running a beta os so that's not what i'm talking about but this immediately became super fascinating and sort of spread around like a wildfire but the mystery has been solved the mystery has in fact been solved and it turns out it's not just Apple being some stuffy megacorp that doesn't <laughs> want to show 69. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not actually just that. The first thing that ticked me off on maybe it being a little different is someone tweeted if you notice it also doesn't ever show 65 or 67 degrees mm-hmm. in the weather app either. Again, it might show it in the widget, which is kind of interesting, but then you open the app and you look at the the future forecasts And sure enough, in Boston, it was like 68, 68, 68, 66, 64. And I started looking around, and I also didn't find any other 65s or 67s, which is weird. If you're on an iPhone right now, on iOS 14 or earlier, you can look in the weather app, and you will not find 69 degrees Fahrenheit, 67 degrees, or 65 degrees. So then it was like, okay, what's what's actually going on? Why? Um, Turns out, the reason is most likely explained by where they source their data and how they source their data. yeah so a lot of people are asking well where are you uh, finding that it's 69 versus 68 maybe it's a discrepancy in the sourcing It's uh, so a weather channel is where now they bought dark sky, which does have their own data but at the corner of iOS 14's weather app it still says a weather channel. So if you go to weather.com that's where they're getting their data from but it looks like they're sourcing it in Celsius integers mm-hmm. basically. Now, most of the world uses Celsius, so that makes a lot of sense. But here in the U.S., we are stubbornly still using Fahrenheit. (laughs) F for freedom, Uh for Fahrenheit. And, no, yeah, so we're converting these source data Celsius integers, not decimals, into Fahrenheit. And so, sure enough, 19 degrees Celsius is 66.2 degrees Fahrenheit, which rounds to 66. Mm -hmm. Then when you go to 20 degrees Celsius, that's 68. Yeah. So you just skipped 67. Yep and 21 degrees celsius is 69.8 which rounds to 70 yep. so you'll never show 69. So this seems to be the most likely explanation for probably, why yeah. you know it's not showing up and also probably why you are seeing it in iOS 15 betas cuz they've either fixed that or adjusted to source somewhere else dark sky or they're using integers or with you know decimals now not just integers whatever it is it seems to be fixed in iOS 15 but I still thought that was hilarious cuz for a couple minutes there the internet was like wait it a second it was having a ton <laughs> of fun. <laughs> what is yeah. going on here? If somebody found that it was it it was night it was -69 degrees in Antarctica mm-hmm. and it was showing that um which is funny because I looked it up -56 degrees Celsius is -68.8 Fahrenheit which rounds to -69. So I'm it sure, will show yeah, -69 but not positive 69.
2: I like my first thing I want to know is because The Verge is, you said The Verge got the scoop. I'm wondering, like, was this a scoop? Somebody was this, like, yeah, who thought? I I am dying to know who at The Verge was just, like, I, I'm hoping has this, like, uh, notebook of just, like, days that it has not shown 69 <laughs> to, like, f- eventually get to the point where he's, like, I'm writing an article. And I it think, wound up being, like, the most popular article on the internet. You
0: know, yeah. So? It probably just happened, like, somebody tweeted or or just emailed them, like, hey. If you look around the app, you won't see 69 Like probably happened the same way with us, where we went, wait, really? And then yeah. we just started searching everywhere for mm-hmm. finding 69. I found 69% humidity. I did not find 69 degrees. <laughs> so yeah, once you once you get that far, you kind of write it up and just see what happens. It's and one
2: of those things that's so small where like you would never really think about it. The difference between 68, 69, and 70 degrees. Like if you stepped outside, you wouldn't be like, this weather app's wrong. Yeah. It's it's definitely not
0: yeah this but um well that get that that is part of my hot take should i just get right into my hot take no i think we should save it for the really end. we should save it all right well, we have to save it for the I'll end i'll save it um retention uh, retention
2: <laughs> yeah. uh one last thing on that though carrot app which if you don't know what carrot weather app is it's oh, yeah. hilarious it's it's just the weather with usually something really funny like a sassy weather app, app. yeah sassy yeah. weather app's the best way but anyways immediately after all this news broke uh Someone posted a screenshot of just in their Carrot app. It just says "feels like 17 degrees." I promise to always tell you when it's 69
0: degrees out. I d- I downloaded it as soon as I saw that. Oh, did you, that was did you get it? That that was what earned my download. I downloaded Carrot, and yes, immediately was telling me. Is it? That's it's, amazing. It's 75 degrees, but we'll tell you when it's 69. So, <laughs> thank fantastic. you, Carrot, for uh, for the nod there. We appreciate it, or maybe The Verge appreciates it. No, Whoever yeah. you're nodding to, I'm sure they love it. Um, that's kind of it. That's my, that's my important news of the, I just it, had to kick that impromptu. off. I'm glad we got it out of the way. Obviously, now everyone
2: can take a deep breath and the just Waveform like relax podcast. for nice, easy news
0: stuff after yeah. this. I We're mean, all about nothing the hard hitting, really the hard hitting <laughs> investigative journalism right off the top. Uh, yeah. Apple does have a new product out, which is always, you know, something we like to take note of. This one is the MagSafe battery pack. I want to give a shout out to Brandon who tweeted years ago. That they should do this. He's not the only one who tweeted they yeah, do this, yeah. but we want to give him a little props for that. Um, it's literally just a, a battery pack that slaps onto the back of the phone with the magnets from MagSafe yeah. and wirelessly charges your iPhone.
2: Vin called it a giant denty ice. Kind of looks like it. One. Looks just like it's it with white. an Apple logo on it. Yeah. Um, I like. I think we all had kind of mixed reactions around the studio. It is one of those things where at first, to me, I was like. Huh, that seems like a pretty good idea. I'd love to just like have it in my pocket or my backpack or whatever. And if my phone's low, instead of having to carry a wire around, wait till I get my car, wait till I get my desk, oh, have a big battery bank, yeah. just slap it on the back and it charges. But then you see it's $99. It's only a, I think
0: it's under 1500 milliamp backwards. So that wouldn't even charge a full battery, right? Not only is it smaller than the actual physical size of the battery, mm-hmm. but wireless charging does lose a lot of efficiency to heat. So you're looking at maybe seventy to eighty percent efficiency of getting that milliamp hour count into yeah. your phone. So you're you're not you're not getting close to a full charge out no. of that. Um, I I can already see where this is going, which is like yeah, the, the crowd that's like just get a wired power bank that can charge it eight thousand times and put I, it in your backpack. I wanted to be the because I knew that like it's obvious that's gonna
2: be, yeah, the the suggestion there. and like the argument, and I wanted to argue against it as like this is nice because it's small and it can it, it's like super easy. It's typical Apple. It's not complicated. It's just like the most perfect way of solving it, except for now seeing that it's won't even charge a full battery. i I just don't see why you wouldn't buy the anchor power core twenty six thousand milliamp hours for seventy bucks. It's clearly bigger. Clearly needs cables, but I can charge anything. Well, I can charge my switch. I can charge my laptop. I can charge my phone. I can charge my so classic. You're like I can charge everything with it. I just mm-hmm. don't get why I wouldn't. I'd rather just deal with the cable. Because the
0: Apple device. makes products for a universe where other companies don't exist. So I, they still have
2: other <laughs> products that exist that this thing could charge. It doesn't even charge the product fully
0: that it's made for. I mean, I you have- can charge your phone with your MacBook Pro if you really want that much battery, which I've done by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you can just plug it directly in with that cable. Um I think this is just like an easy convenient thing. This isn't this is like an in case of emergency like convenience thing. Oh, what's that? You have 20% battery and you still have more stuff to do today. Pop it on the back of the phone. Don't even think about it. You'll have the rest of the day for enough battery. Like You charge it up with lightning. You just have it for when you need it. It's in your bag. It's in your purse, whatever. Wait,
2: it has to be charged by lightning? You got to charge it. Do you know that? But is it lightning or is it USB-C?
0: It's it's lightning. I believe it's lightning. Adam's saying it's lightning. It's lightning because it's it's in the iPhone's world where you would only buy this if you have an iPhone. So you have a lightning charger. Yeah, but if it's Apple, they're assuming you have a MacBook too, right? Which is USB-C. Well, if you have any laptop, it's a MacBook. But maybe you don't have a laptop. So yeah, it's a lightning charged thing. Uh, Yeah. Super simple, but obviously it's the classic Apple. Like, wow, it's a little overpriced. It's a hundred bucks for half a charge, but it is the one. There are other third-party ones, by the way, that do the they exact use same MagSafe, thing. That clip on the back, MagSafe wireless charging. Not a, not even clip. They just magnet yeah, onto yeah, the yeah, back. Yeah, so I guess that's what I'm. I think Anchor MagSafe. makes one of the better ones Dude, right really? now. It's I not as it's, pretty,
2: but it's I don't think the functional. Apple one's that pretty. I think. Apples would be prettier if they match colors to the different iPhones. Like, it feels like something they should do. Let me because- show you the Anchor one
0: because I think Apple's is way better looking than the Anchor one. This is the the one that Anchor made, right? I'd take yeah, the Apple I one mean, every it's time. It's definitely bigger. It's bigger. It doesn't taper either around the the edges the way Apple's does. Here's the does. thing:
2: Do you expect so? When I first see these, I'm like, Are people going to like continue to use their phone with this on the back? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the I guess it it makes the most sense. Yeah, like it's like I'm guessing they're just probably not doing the battery case anymore, right? Yeah, I do have to assume that it probably has like one or two features with it, just in the sense of like MagSafe connecting because it's first party. Um, and like I would always prefer to do first party over anything, but it's still just to me, I don't know, feels rough.
0: Yeah, it's just Uh, a, it's just a. Apple world thing like lots of people are going to be in the Apple store and realize that they want a battery case and this is the one that they sell for the iPhone 12 it slaps on the back it's kind of neat doesn't have to be amazing some people just have that money to just go okay I just want a battery that's just gonna work with the iPhone.
2: I also wonder how many MagSafe accessories you can have that then like which are taking over the other ones so like if I have an Apple wallet I have to take that off every time now
0: to use this
2: charging thing right? Yes
0: Yes, you do. Uh, If you have a MagSafe case case you can put this on the back of the magsafe case and it will charge your phone through the case like the magsafe charger puck would Mm -hmm. not the most efficient thing in the world but it works i I would
2: really like to see just last thing to say on that is how from a dead battery how much it actually charges what would your guess be um so the
0: iphone 12 like pro
2: Let's let's just go regular 12
0: iPhone 12, what is the battery size? iPhone 12's got a battery that is... It's like 36, right? No, it's smaller. It's, it's smaller much smaller. It? Uh, iPhone 12, 2,815 milliamp hours. Okay, wow. So the thing about that is you're 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 coming in at 1,460 for this, so that's half if you get all of it Full. out of the battery. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go... 40%? 40%, yeah. I mean,
2: in most days, that gets you through the day, so it doesn't really... It's fine.
0: I, I'm not. I'm not in the target demographic. Yeah. For it, no, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not, not either. That's, buy one.
2: Um, all right. Let's let's go to something a little different. I guess uh, I have no good, no good segue for this one. <laughs> but it was a fun <laughs> article I thought I found. Okay. And it's about planes, which is fun because there's a plane flying over and you might nice. hear it. There's the segue. Nice. Finally, finally Newark Airport Come working in-handed. for us. Yeah. Um, all right, so United to buy 100 electric planes for short-haul trips.
0: Wow, this is there electric
2: planes? That's exactly what I said when I saw this. Not only are there, I guess, electric... I mean, clearly, we have to assume there are people working on electric planes. Like, that's sure. just got to be one. But the fact that we're s- close enough to being like United's pledging to buy 100 of them, uh, it's from a startup company in Sweden called Heart Aerospace. Um, th- I think the main thing here is don't think immediately like giant commercial... I'm yeah. gonna say 747. I think that's a larger plane, but I'm sure. Sh-
0: yeah, it is. Okay. This uh, this article says 19 passenger plane, 250 mile range. Very small. So essentially, the what it is actually really
2: good for is if you think of like a large airport hub, Chicago O'Hare is a perfect example because it's in the Midwest. It connects flights from the East Coast, to the West Coast, and kind of sends you everywhere from there. But at the same time, it has a ton of Midwest states around it that you would generally fly into take a very small plane to hop to Michigan or to hop to North Dakota or something like that. Um, so it would take over there where a lot of those planes are getting can't, or those flights are getting canceled because it's not efficient or it's not, uh, there's not enough people getting on the plane to make it worth flying. Yeah. To make it worth flying with fuel costs and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So like they're not doing as many of those flights anymore. So it just would start taking over smaller trips like that. Um, and that's I think pretty awesome and and it says these could be like in service as soon as 2026 which is n- not that far away 5 years away so yeah. that's that's pretty amazing it's cheaper it's clear like the biggest thing here is just planes have crazy emissions and we're clearly in a, in a world where we need to reduce emissions and and I appreciate them taking a step and hopefully it, it leads to bigger steps of eliminating those emissions. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah this is I mean I so I don't know pretty much anything about electric planes. I've yeah, I've heard neither. that this is like a thing that would be really cool to work on, but every time it's come up, I think I talked to Neil deGrasse Tyson about this, the energy density of batteries isn't quite good enough yet yeah, uh, to, to lift all of that weight of the battery off and then fly with the power generated from the battery. But as battery tech improves, maybe that's a projection that will make this possible by 2026. Um, but the other thing is, yeah, like, when you think about sustainable energy, we're on, you know, the cars are actually starting to see the light. We're starting to see maybe in sure. 10, 20 years, there will be way more electric cars on the road, and eventually we see a world where we've wiped out the amount of emissions coming from cars. There still leaves boats, oh, trains, yeah. planes are a, an absolutely massive one, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. and... Uh, eventually yeah we got to get to those too so the fact yeah, that we yeah. start with the small ones like a the Nissan Leaf of planes or whatever that's fine that's a good start but obviously we want to get to the the massive planes too
2: yeah I wonder how well this would do also in just like the private plane sector I mean I know that's not you know it's not hitting emissions like a 747 but there still are a lot of private planes flying all over the place and mm-hmm. it's it's almost if you're doing it by passenger it Probably could be pretty similar to like emissions per person. Oh, um, I see what you're saying. N- know what I mean? So, like, if these are smaller planes, maybe that I'm also, this is a total assumption here. So, if
0: someone wants to correct me, please well, do. Yeah. P- private planes are a very small number of passengers, mm-hmm. very high number, emi- number of emissions per passenger, but they are small planes with smaller gas tanks. They don't really do cross country flights the same way a 747. No, really. which is what, yeah, why so something like this. this is a good place to start. Yeah. Cool. Well, I just thought that was really neat. Yeah, I look for. I hope in my lifetime that I'm able to fly on an electric plane. That would be really awesome. I think it would still feel exactly the same as a passenger as a regular plane because it's just gonna. It's still jets. I imagine it's still noise. making lots of noise because it's instead oh, of burning it's still, fuel, it's, it's, it's still running the turbines.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So true. it's still
0: gonna feel like a regular jet, but I just hope that. For principle, I can, in my lifetime, ride an electric plane. That would be cool.
2: It would be cool. It would be cool to just also ride in a brand new plane. I, every time I'm in a plane and I feel like yeah. it's nice, I like hear someone talk about it. I'm like, it's like, this is a 30-year-old plane. It yeah. just and always that's pretty baffles new. <laughs> me how long those are like, on, yeah. stay in commission. Last thing, Nothing and StockX. Oh, I saw this. This is a weird one. That came out like 20 minutes before we
0: sat down to record this, and we just
2: what a weird... wanted to talk about it quickly.
0: Man, okay. So you've probably heard by now about nothing. They're making a bunch of products starting with headphones, the ear one. And we know they're gonna be these transparent earbuds. They started to slowly tease information about them one by one. This is like their their whole strategy. This is kind of the same as what OnePlus is doing because it's the same CEO as OnePlus (laughs) used to have, uh, Carl from OnePlus. Um, And they've gone all the way to the, the very highest end of hype I've been using the word hype to talk about this, but I think StockX Connection sort of solidifies it because what what is a more hype-connected company than StockX? StockX is a uh, a reseller listing site for a lot of apparel and footwear. For hype hype stuff. Hype shoes, hype apparel. So if you find a hype pair of shoes and you want to buy you know, somebody bought uh, one of the limited edition drops and has one in your size, you want to buy it secondhand from them, does this whole verification process, and you can buy one or auction a pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what they're known for. They started branching off, though, more recently into, like, electronics. I think they got the PS5 on there for a while, which is interesting. One of the most hype gadgets. Like, partnered with Sony, or...? I don't know if it was a partner with Sony, but it was definitely available for a while Hmm. on StockX with the whole verification thing and everything. So... Uh, This nothing partnership is uh, it's an auction where they will be auctioning the first 100 pairs, which will come with like a little engraving and a little special, Mm -hmm. you know, box or whatever um, to whoever submits the 100 highest bids. Yeah, it will be available for general availability later. But uh, and I think we know the price already. Hundred bucks. So the. 100 people who just want to spend however much they want to be one of the first 100 can get one, whether they spend $101 or $200 or whatever they want. Yeah. They just have to be one of the top 100 bits.
2: Yeah, the, the engraving you're talking about is the addition of it. So it's like a limited edition 1 to 100. You get this the serial number, essentially. I'm assuming the rest of them after that aren't going to have the engraved serial number on it. So these yeah. are like, yeah, just the first 100. You're basically paying to say that you have one of the first
0: 100 of a
2: company that doesn't really exist yet so here's or the, has made a product yet. Exactly,
0: so here's the thing. On one hand, I get it. It's the perfect engine for like the beginning of hype. If you're a, a brand new electronics company building hype, what better way to get people really into it and to make a bunch of money than mm-hmm. to give people the feeling of exclusive early access? And yeah. anyone can. you If you bid high enough, you can have one mm-hmm. of the first hundred of these cool gadgets this company is making. That's like a feeling people really like, exclusive early access, whatever it is. But on the other hand, having one of the first hundred products that a new electronics company makes, I think is really rarely actually valuable. Like if you had one yeah. of the first... 100 iPhones mm-hmm. which is not by the way one of Apple's first ever products if you had an Apple 1 okay yeah that's very valuable but that's Apple
1: mm-hmm. like
0: imagine if you had one of the first 100 OnePlus ones cuz that's you know that's a company that's done pretty well yeah. they've had a couple years of success really had to come up same CEO that's about as good as a company can go in in the short term how much is a a OnePlus 1 worth if you have one of the first 100 today
2: not i don't i mean i'm sure great. it's worth something whether it was worth holding on to it for that long or, yeah. or or even paying extra like to get it it's probably worth more than they paid for it yeah it's Maybe really pure it's nostalgia. a sentimental
0: thing like you you have to want that rather than like i don't think you can depend on that being an investment and like you're going to sell it no. later there's certain companies and certain styles of products where that clearly works and this is a model that you can follow. Like the first thousand Tesla Roadsters cost more than the rest. They're the founder's edition. They're going to be yeah. valuable later because they are a part of the first thousand. But that's a company like Tesla where you imagine they'll be around longer. And and even the original Tesla Roadsters from back in the mm-hmm. day are more valuable now than they used to be. But I just think when you get more and more gadgety and techy, that lifespan of people caring about them is uh, is a little bit weaker. I, I think you've got to be further from tech.
2: I would almost, well, first off, Adam just looked it up on eBay and you can get a one plus one for 30 bucks right now. So yeah, not a great investment if you try to pull that off. Um, I would almost branch out further than just tech. I feel like in today's generation, just in general, not even just with tech, like collectibles have become like such a big thing. Selling old things uh, for tons of money has just become such a something everyone looks out for that it seems like it just doesn't happen as much anymore it's yeah. really hard to find that but isn't it usually like new products i think it's because we we've seen these like old like i've for instance i think uh like it was either mario 64 like a mario super nintendo brand new in box just sold for like a couple hundred grand i think but mm-hmm. but in the older generations it's because of how rare they are now, because all those people took them out and played them and then probably threw them away by now. We are, I mean, look at Pokemon cards. People are just buying packs and immediately putting them into sleeves. It's just like, it's not a thing people are right. playing with anymore, things that are getting destroyed, which means there's tons of them around. There's no rarity to increase the price of
0: it. So yeah, you got you got to hit this 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 very special combo of being a rare classic. Yeah, a classic is not easy to do. Like Mario, obviously, you know, a classic, but most people who had those used them. So you'd have to have, like, when we unboxed that Bondi Blue iMac, that was a rare classic in great condition that Mm -hmm. booted up 30 years out the box. Like, that's, that's the type of thing that actually maybe you can consider more valuable. But I guess if you were betting on nothing, being this huge company in the future, and this being a classic, that's like that's a tough bet when you're you know a very exactly. new tech company. But you know if you believe in that bet, uh, and you're getting it as an investment, then maybe you do buy one of these, or maybe you just want the headphones. You yeah, got to yes. have them early.
2: I think when you're when you're selling it as like basically a collector's item, I can only imagine the person who gets one out of a hundred on this is going to never use them and immediately keep them as a collector. I wonder. I would I, wonder. I would guess. Maybe some of these first 100s people use. I think it depends like, on how much they win
0: the auction for. True. I would also like to guess prices that we think some of these go for. <laughs> if uh, the top one goes for like 500 bucks, I think they're going to just use them as headphones. Because they're just earbuds. Like 500 bucks. You spent more. You're like, wow, I got the first ones. Let me use them. I'm going to unbox them on camera and the CEO will retweet me. But if you spent like fair, 10 fair. grand, mm-hmm. like if it gets crazy on StockX, which it can sometimes... Then I would say probably that person's gonna also buy another pair at general availability and just keep the one of yeah, one hundred exactly. one that they spent ten grand on and hope maybe it's someday it's a classic. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's gonna get that we'll high. We'll
2: see. Let's let's guess top bid and bottom bid.
0: I would. It would be really funny if one of the top one hundred bids was under a hundred bucks, so that they actually got a I discount. Did not think about that. That would be hilarious <laughs> from being one of the first hundred. Um, uh, no, I think the top. Let me go top bid. I think someone's going to spend 1500 bucks.
2: I was going to go as high as 3000.
0: For if the I, number
2: 1 of 100, is that's my guess. Do you get to Three, well, nine. yeah,
0: if you're the highest bid, you get number 1 of 100? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, sorry, that's how it works. It's not
2: 100 individual bids like I thought it might be. It is you bid for one and The top 100 bids get the top 100 based on. So if you are the top bid, you get one. If you are the 100th top bid, you get number 100. So you you don't get to decide you want number three. You just have to hope you're the third highest bid. Yeah, which I think is kind of Hmm. interesting because at least in NFTs in the sense of like um, like Top Shot, the number addition was like really important with the value of it because ultimately,
0: even though maybe you know uh, what numbers LeBron... So LeBron, so yeah, LeBron will be like jersey number twenty three, and they'll sell a hundred of this NFT. Mm-hmm. But the twenty third edition one will be worth more because it yeah, matches his exactly. jersey number, right? This one a little different. You don't get to pick. You I just guess, like have you to could hold. really
2: bid and try and get in between a certain one. But yeah, do you again? Well,
0: we're assuming this holds value afterwards on StockX. This might be known already, but is there public uh, public viewability of all of the bids? I assume you only see the highest bid when you're bidding. But this could be different. I've
2: seen a different NFT sell similarly to this and it had just the leaderboard of bids. Mm. And so it had what number? Because, I mean, if they wanted to make the most money possible, they probably would not show the last ones because you're just going to... The number 100 is just going to be like a dollar bid over and over, like a fight at the end, probably. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'll be interested to to see how it
2: is. I think lowest bid... 2.25?
0: Two twenty-five, one twenty-five, one twenty-five. Yeah, that's my guess. That's my guess. We'll see. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. I think obviously. you might be right on that. We'll link. Uh, we'll check up on this next episode when we know. But uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about space.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify
0: Support for the show comes from Anthropic. Companies of all sizes are exploring use cases for AI and finding that it's not a one size fits all game. It's all about finding the right balance between speed and intelligence. Like if you're powering a customer chat experience, you need instant speed at low cost. If you're doing complex R&D or advanced analysis, you need frontier intelligence. Claude 3 from Anthropic offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Claude 3 Opus is their largest and most powerful model that can handle complex tasks and analysis. Sonnet strikes the balance between information and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and most cost-effective model that can execute lightweight actions fast. Anthropic's dedicated to building AI systems that are reliable, interpretable, and steerable. Their multidisciplinary team of researchers, engineers, policy experts, and business leaders designed Claude to elevate the field of generative AI. See for yourself. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this episode of Wayform comes from Gigabyte. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on.
2: All right, so we're back. I have kind of a lot to teach you, I feel like, if that makes sense. Um, Let's do it. Okay, so I'm sure you saw, like, Just in general, going to space has been the topic of headlines everywhere. I think a lot of it has to do with SpaceX, obviously, and Elon consistently talking about colonizing Mars. Yep. Uh,
0: What would you say? Last five years, that's really like blown off? Plenty of time. I mean, yeah. Humans need to be an interplanetary species. That's the the halo sentence I keep hearing. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So- that's a little more intense than what we're about
2: to talk about, um, but in this past week, a big news headline, I think it was like two or three days ago, was Richard Branson and Virgin Galactic making it to space.
0: And I was peripherally aware that this was happening. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't following it specifically. I was traveling. I was playing Ultimate, but I think I was in a restaurant and I saw it on TV. Okay. Like it, was, it, it was just happening somewhere. Richard uh-huh. Branson went to space. Oh, okay. Got it. Cool. All yeah. Right. Uh so the first thing I'm I'm still
2: struggling what to call this. I like whenever I think about space I want to call it space travel, but to me that feels like something more along the lines of like I'm traveling between places in space, which this is very much not. Space tourism. Tour. Okay, that's what we we'll, well, that's what we'll call it. Yeah. Space tourism. So yeah. so I'll explain a little more the like scientific name of what they're doing, but that's just <laughs> not fun to say over and over again. Okay. Um all right, so Like you, I kind of just peripherally saw this on, I saw it on Twitter instead. Um, It was this really cool video of them like up in space, Richard Branson and I believe it's five other crewmates were in space floating around, looking down on Earth, you know, like the typical in space thing. But but what really, really like interests me is they showed footage of it launching up into the last couple like miles into the atmosphere. Uh And it was like, crazy it looked really really cool it kind of reminded me of when we first saw the spacex rockets like re-entering and landing upright that it looks just was, surreal it looked literally fake like yeah. cgi Th- yeah. and that's what this kind of looked like so it intrigued me enough to dive into a rabbit hole of trying to figure out what's going on in this kind of like We'll call it a modern day space race because Richard Branson's not the only one doing it. We all also know about Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin right. going up. There was actually a headline recently about them passing their last regulations, and they will be launching July twentieth. So, like, we're talking the same month. Two people that's pretty Space funny.
0: tourism is Jeff personally going also? Yep,
2: Jeff. Jeff and his brother are going. It's hilarious. Um, yeah. That's so hilarious. that's um, all of that intrigued me. I watched a bunch of videos. I read a bunch of articles. The best one to me was uh, from a channel called Everyday Astronaut. Um, I'm sure you've nice. heard of them. Yep. If you are a longtime fan of the channel, you've probably heard of them because we participated in something called Project Love Day, which was shooting a commercial for Tesla. He made a great one. He made it a fantastic one. Yeah. And, uh, was
0: he a he did, was he a placement finisher at
2: yeah, least? Right? He was. I I don't know if they did first, second, third. We we won. I'm still very proud of that video. I yeah, liked it a lot. A I rewatched it last night. Yeah. Um but if I'm being honest, I kind of think his should have His worked. was
0: a, the favorite one that
2: we didn't I, make, yeah, for sure. I, I I thought his was fantastic. But he made a, a wonderful like 30-minute video comparing Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin and hmm. everything that's going on. I will definitely link it and their Project Love Day in the show notes. You should check it out. Um, I'm going to try and do a much more condensed but still pretty long explanation of what's going on, and I want to see your your thoughts on it. I'm excited.
0: All I know right now is it's basically a race between these billionaires to get to space for bragging rights. It is the
2: billionaire midlife crisis, I think Adam described it as, and I thought it was hilarious. We're past Corvettes. We are now building spaceships. As your midlife crisis. So, uh, the bigger yeah. spaceship. So, if we get past the point that these are just a bunch of billionaires racing to get into space, the rest of it's really interesting. Okay. I think. Sure. Um, okay. So, what kind of amazed me is how different despite launching in the same month, how different both of these ways of getting into space are. Um, and, and the big thing here that's different between SpaceX, which is going up and bringing people to like the space station and literally going into orbit, is these are suborbital rides. Yeah. Mm-hmm, which is very, very different. These are not going high enough to actually get into orbit, hence the name. And while it's still breaking the barrier into what we consider space and getting into space it is a very short ride into space.
0: Yeah, I think this is where I'm like, you know, it's probably semantics, but like calling it going to space is maybe a bit generous. Like obviously planes are going up to, let's call it 30,000 feet. Mm -hmm. That's what, six miles up, something like that. But then you've got, you know, other much more higher flying aircraft, military planes, other things like that, flying much, much higher in the atmosphere, but they're not in orbit, in space. Like when I think of, in space, I think of like the space station orbiting mm-hmm. the Earth two hundred fifty miles from Earth. Yeah. That's that's in space, so I'll give them that. So there's sort of a couple like, you know, lines that have been drawn where you pass this line, what is it, fifty something miles? Okay, so there's considered-
2: something something called the Cameron line, which right. is like
0: widely known as the start of space, and that's
2: sixty miles above the Earth's surface. Okay.
0: And so then, but you're, you're still not orbiting the Earth. You can do a no, temporary no. free fall and have yep. that weightless feeling, but you're not orbiting the Earth at no, that no. height. So mm-hmm. so they're just getting past that line just for bragging rights? Is that what's happening? Sort of. I'll, I'll ex- that's
2: one of the key differences between okay. the two, and I'll explain it. Um, but uh, let's see. So that got me a little off track, but I, I <laughs> will get on that. track here. We're, what we're going to do is I'm just going to kind of describe both
0: the, both sure. of the ships to you. So where do we start then?
2: Uh, I'm going to start with Virgin Atlantic. They did it first. uh, Also, one little note I thought was funny. They weren't supposed to launch until August. Or Richard Branson wasn't supposed to go until August. I think they were still doing test flights, and he decided to just go a little earlier. I uh, wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why. Jeff Bezos right around the corner. He claims, not for that, but like come on also just admit it i think that'd be yeah hilarious. just say it just i, wanted, one, it to be jeff, I wanted to be and jeff and i did yeah. eat it jeff <laughs> Yeah. just say it okay um <laughs> all right so the virgin galactic spaceship where uh it is called the spaceship to unity and i still have a little confusion here because it's actually two separate vehicles um in how they launch so i believe the unity is the name of the vessel that the the pilots and the people are in Mm -hmm. and the uh, and one thing between these two what's very different between them is that these are like for non-trained like this is for commercialized space travel tourism whatever you want to call it whereas you know nasa and spacex is much more like those people are trained to do stuff you have to be yeah yeah so So these pedestrians can be in exactly these are being made for the commercialized space tourism um so Mm -hmm. anyone can get a seat and the plane for Virgin Galactic is imagine almost two medium-sized planes and they're connected at the inside wing. It almost looks like if you had a catamaran boat. I think that's as what like I saw on the news. Wing I saw or a as clip a plane. Of,
0: yeah, this crazy-looking like plane, but it was like three planes connected. It was a very yep. strange sight, but exactly. yeah. Exactly. Okay. And then the
2: one the people and the pilots are in are is actually like underneath it in the middle. Okay. So if it then takes off, it flies to a certain altitude, which I still think was two or three times the altitude of what a regular plane flies mm-hmm. at. Um, so still very high. I think it is actually high enough to where you still see the dark edges around the Earth. Okay. So like that's pretty impressive. And then this is what got me interested in all of this. There's a video of the bottom craft. It detaches from the plane as it is flying, falls, rocket the thrusters, the boosters, whatever you want to call it. I'm sure there's an official name that I'm doing wrong take off and it just launches past the the initial docking plane i guess you would call it okay and then goes mach 3 i believe three times the speed Sick. of sound straight up into the air and into space hmm. and it was it looks like straight out of a james bond movie it looks like it was some sci-fi thing like it was another one of those like the spacex rockets landing that no part of me believed it was real at first yeah um and then essentially what that accomplishes is after it detaches, launches into space, it gets you just high enough. I believe it's 55 miles above the Earth's surface. So not quite the ca- Cameron line.
0: And all right, let me watch this. So what am I Describe on? it also for audio listeners. So I'm seeing the Virgin Galactic plane go up. It does really look like two planes attached to each other, which is pretty funny. Oh, there goes your speed—six hundred miles an hour, two thousand miles an hour. All right, this thing is popped out of the bottom of the plane and is now rocketing to thirty thousand feet. That doesn't seem—I don't think high. that is the okay. Now they're suborbital falling. Yeah, that part is cool. I like that you still can feel this. You can feel zero G, which is yeah. which is obviously super cool. But also the fact that you're so far out of the normal atmosphere that you can see the curvature of the earth and you can see the space around you're definitely high enough that you're seeing the space around earth so Mm. that's what i think is like the
2: big difference here kind of between what you're talking about like there's no there's no other airplane that's getting that high and and what it actually does is it launches itself straight up and then if the wings it almost looks like a paper airplane with the wings it has these like very flat wings that go all the way to the back and those turn and then use um, air compression to actually flip it kind of upside down so then you're looking back at Earth because it has windows above the seats. That's smart. And then for, th- here's the kicker, it's only about three to four minutes that you're in space. You unbuckle yourself, you experience weightlessness for a couple minutes. They have these really cool windows that have like handles on them so you can, you know, grab yourself because you're floating around yeah. once you're unbuckled. Uh, grab yourself, look oh. out the window, check out Earth. Um for 4 minutes buckle back in and then because it looks like kind of a, a small private plane then you come back down and you just kind of coast like a regular plane and land totally normally on right. a uh, an airstrip. Honestly, that
0: sounds pretty fun. It does sound it sounds pretty, pretty fun. fun. So what is so now the Jeff or the Jeff Blue Bezos Origin. Blue Origin yeah, yeah. version? Mm-hmm. How is that different? Very different.
2: Uh, so the ship, it is the Blue Origin New Shepard is the name of the ship. Uh-huh. And it is much more similar to what we expect as like a regular like NASA rocket. A rocket. A rocket. It is, yeah. And I, I always get kind of confused a bit. The rocket engine, I, I believe, is the large standing booster that sends the thing into space and generally comes back down to Earth. Mm-hmm. Um What's cool about this is essentially the passenger capsule is on top of the rocket. So, imagine a rocket with maybe a little more of a circular top because that's where we're putting the passengers. Again, this is six people that can fit in here. Okay. The difference here is that it's fully autonomous. So... In the other one, you need two pilots. Interesting. This is fully autonomous. Anyone in there doesn't need any training on how to land this capsule. Okay. So at first, I, I think that sounds kind of freaky. It sounds terrifying because um, yeah. you're like,
0: what if something goes wrong? Who's going to exactly. save us? But there, okay. There
2: are a lot of really cool safety measures that I don't remember everything about them, so I would check out the video if you okay. get a chance. Yeah. But um, it's basically just this circular table, or not even a table, a circular like ring of seats looking at what is actually the largest windows to ever go to space i think that's pretty cool which makes total sense in like a tourism consumer fashion Mm -hmm. um rocket launches up straight into the air when it gets to its peak the capsule detaches throws you up around 62 miles in the air so this is over the official cameron line which is definitely a bragging right although because the other
0: one richard branson's
2: did not cross the line it didn't cross the cameron line technically but from everything I've read, most scientists agree that there's almost no concernable difference between the two when you're oh, I'm at sure. that point. Yeah, no. I'm sure um, the
0: difference between 55 miles and 75 miles above Earth is it's like when you're having... starting to lose scale. Exactly, it's it's, a lot. it's, it's yeah. very far both of them. But okay, yeah.
2: Um, so that does bragging rights to uh, Blue Origin. You're sure. making it over the Cameron Line exactly. Um, again, though, three to four minutes you get up there. You can unbuckle. You can float around, and then. What happens here is you start floating, you descend, you descend, three parachutes come out, you float back down into the desert of Texas, and then a bunch of air compressors shoot out at the bottom to make it like a really smooth landing, which I thought was actually really neat because these thrusters do so, like exert so much power to even you out. Mm-hmm. Actually, when, when you look at it, it looks like it's impacting really hard because dust is flying everywhere, but that's from the booster. Yeah. Um, So much that if two of the parachutes were to fail, it would still get you down without life-threatening injuries, which probably still means it's pretty impactful, but you're not dying. But yeah, Um, good backup. But yeah, uh, another just capsule you float up in the air, uh, three to four minutes space. Again, pretty cool, I guess. So here's Uh, a question. Here's
0: my question for you. Is three to four minutes worth it? Well,
2: I like, guess we need the dollar value. Do you want the dollar value? Because oh, we um, have that. Virgin yeah. Galactic
0: sold six hundred reservations already. Okay, so what? How much is that? That's it's very expensive for the Let's first. Let's take ones. a guess. Okay, well, uh, I'm gonna go with uh ten grand a seat. Two hundred fifty thousand. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So. I guess the novelty of these early tickets is you're one of the first.
2: Yes. So less than a thousand people have been up that high. Just that's that's in the novelty. Ever. That's what you're paying for. Yeah. That's exactly what you're paying for. Okay. Actually, if you want to even go a crazier price, which is totally not comparable. Blue Origin doesn't have a price yet. I don't believe they've taken reservations. They've done a ton of test flights, and this one coming up will be the first time anyone's in it. It's Jeff Bezos, his brother. I don't know the other, but apparently one other seat was sold for them and it was like $26 million. But oh. this is you're going up with Jeff Bezos and like all that. So I'm sure it's just clearly another oh, man. billionaire probably.
0: Dollars per minute. That's hilarious. Dollars per minute. Oh, my God. oh,
2: that's the other thing though is the total flight trip of Blue Origin is probably, is like 10 to 15 minutes because you're just launching up and you're coming straight back down. Yeah the total round trip for virgin galactic is closer to 2 hours because it takes you so long to ascend to right. that initial launch point and then you're flying the whole way back down so in some cases it's maybe like all right i have more time to
0: experience everything honestly honestly when i'm hearing this described i think the 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 virgin galactic one sounds better like as an experience like i'm not going to do this anytime soon. Most of us probably won't. Uh, no, <laughs> but, yeah. but if I'm imagining like, all right, I want, I have this crazy amount of money I want to blow on the novelty of going to space, um, both of them are going to give you three to four minutes of in space, weightlessness, space tourism, that whole yeah. experience. But I think the uh, flying up in an airplane part will probably be more comfortable than a rocket launch. Yeah, I actually, they didn't talk much about about like the initial thrusting and everything yeah, like that. Like I, uh, I, I feel like I've seen enough rocket launches to know that's that's a very different experience than flying up on a plane. Flying I've flown in a plane. It's you know, maybe that's a little more comfortable. But I then um, is, yeah. but then yeah, just having that that crazy three to four minutes and then it's over. And then you just have to remember that forever maybe they'll record it like a disney world ride or oh, whatever. oh my
2: god and then what charge you ten thousand dollars yeah for, you for land the and MP4 they're like
0: file? Yeah. yeah you spent 20 mil on the ticket so you got another 500 grand for this video of <laughs> oh you oh my god um yeah wow well i so in the future someday like really far in the future yeah this will be just another theme park attraction right that's Feels the goal like is you want to be able to do space tourism commercially viably repeatedly often for yeah. everyone like let's make space a curiosity that anyone can check out go to the zoo one day go to disney world one day go to space one day i don't know how far in the future that is but that's something i'm optimistic about and like mm-hmm. hoping i get to do someday and i hope like you know everyone my, gets everyone to as many yeah. people as possible get to try out but uh yeah it's as you know as long as today a uh, a. Uh, you know, a plane ticket costs hundred, 200 bucks, then I feel like that's yeah. about as low as you can go for a flight to space. So. Yeah. I don't think we'll
2: see a hundred $200 in space in our lifetime, but, um, I think you, you did mention something that I didn't talk about that I think is really important is you said, you know, doing this consistently, mm-hmm. all of this is reusable. Like the, the planes are obviously the uh, blue origin, since it's a rocket engine, it's similar to SpaceX and where it can, it lands itself again. Right. And they've done like 12 trial runs and it's worked every time it actually Twelve. has enough thrust to get to the point of hovering before it lands so it actually lands softer than falcon the difference is falcon is massively bigger yeah, and than blue origin yeah yeah well falcon's not landing with the people still on it is it no yeah, yeah um but still much much different scale size but uh that's pretty awesome and then for those of you this was like my main thing when i think why clearly space is an interesting idea but when i originally thought why it's like that is a lot of fuel is it worth just like throw like blowing emissions out to just like go into space for four minutes Mm. i have good news and bad news Mm -hmm. virgin galactic is just using like pretty standard fuel Mm -hmm. and has a lot of emissions Blue Origin is using liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen, so it has almost no Wow, I believe. So at least it is the much greener option out of the two if that that changes your mind at all. And that's the
0: largest windows in
2: in, space.
0: That part is really cool. I think it's, for me, maybe uh, I've seen too many failed rocket landings to where, like, if I could have a horizontal takeoff and a horizontal landing, I'd prefer that, like you said, 12 tests. And, like, I hear you Oh, no, no, times. trust me. I'm not getting in either of these anytime <laughs> but soon. But you tell me, like, all right, they've done this rocket. It's launched 12 times in a row, and it's been great all 12 times. So you want to get on the 13th one? Mm. No, not really. No, yeah. <laughs> I've seen a lot more successful flights, like, take off horizontally. If I'm being honest, if I could pick anyone right now, it would just
2: be if I could somehow get on the plane that launches the Virgin Galactic and just getting to that, you know, about three times higher than a regular commercial that plane, seeing cool. the dark edges, and I think I would be pretty down yeah. with that. We were
0: talking about the Concorde a little while ago about how that plane was supersonic and I had to go higher than normal in the atmosphere because it's uh, thinner up there. Uh-huh. And it would go way higher and go across the Atlantic in like two hours and land, and that was crazy. But yeah, I just I, I want to see I want to see the curvature of the Earth and a little bit of that that edge of the atmosphere type space. That would be, cool. be it. Would be
2: awesome. Um, be cool. I have one more question for you. Okay we we obviously see spacex talking about going to mars and everything like that and elon seems very interested in space in fact i think he may have already booked a flight on one of these mm-hmm. um, i think the virgin galactic but um do you think spacex ever looks at this route of like consumer space tourism or are they just going to be full blown on the like we're trying to colonize mars we're trying to get into space. Do you think SpaceX is going to go this tourism route or more focused on their mission of, you know,
0: intergalactic? It's a good question. Interplanetary. Yeah. From what I can tell, that is the mission. Okay. Is, um... I kind of think so, too. Yeah, making reusable rockets where you... When you inevitably need to take a flight to Mars and obviously you, you get the boosters to get you out of the atmosphere and out of orbit, and then you bring the boosters back down, like you need to get a lot of stuff to Mars, a lot of people, a lot of cargo. And so to be able to reuse those rockets over and over again, like that's the thing that they're trying to solve. And I think maybe a consequence of the technology getting good enough is you are able to also bring people to space and make these cool, you know, suborbital flights for space tourism, and that's pretty neat, and that satisfies a lot of the curiosity that we're interested in. I'm sure Neil deGrasse Tyson will be pumped about it, hmm. but uh, I still think, yeah, the the primary mission of improving rockets and making them reusable is to eventually be able to move things to other planets and to other places, and then humans are interplanetary, and then everybody's happy. But again, this is all like a, will any of this happen in our lifetime type thing? Like, I don't know, I wanna
2: be optimistic. Maybe maybe when your grandkids are keeping waveform going in like 200 years, they can talk about it. That would be cool. We'll see. That'd be cool. Um, Yeah, so uh, I think last thing on there is if you really want like a way more in-depth video on this uh, Everyday Astronaut, great channel. Has a lot of cool stuff on this, and obviously we'll probably be making a ton of content because Blue Origin launches in like two weeks. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm ex- I'm really excited to then see that launch as well and see some video from up there and kind of compare the two because it's really awesome that we live in an age with such great cameras that we kind
0: of yeah. get to experience it with them. 100. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we got to talk about one last thing, which is uh, the hot take we mentioned at the beginning. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> that's all. That's far I got with the intro. Uh,
2: but Wonderful. We'll, but we'll workshop that.
0: I think it'll be fun. Basically, uh, the tech world is full of hot takes, and we always have random, you know, things that we're thinking, but we don't really say, but also maybe other people are thinking them too, and we'll just put them out there and see how it goes. Um my, I'm starting off kind of spicy with my hot take, and we've got. I don't. You, you don't have any hot takes. I couldn't takes, right? think of
2: one. I you might feel have to borrow some.
0: I think Adam's got a couple over there, though. So we'll okay. let him toss a few out. We'll have him. We'll Riles borrow some of those. Yet. But let's just uh, let's just dive right in because I want to see how far this gets before I end up either canceling myself or we'll see. We'll Please see. Don't. <laughs> 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 All right. Number one, I'm going to start with. Uh, we were talking earlier about uh, Celsius and Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is my. This isn't even my hot take. This is something I saw on Twitter and thought about, and I was like, yeah, you know what? I agree with that, that yes, the U.S. should move to metric, but Fahrenheit is better for weather, and that will be the reason we don't. That will so, be,
2: oh, okay, yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. Because yeah. that
0: didn't start off, that yeah. was like cold. So I think so, we sh-
2: yeah we can all agree we should probably go to metric, right? Right, right, like, right. right, The, okay. the imperial we're, system's
0: insane. We have feet, we have all these weird like degrees Fahrenheit versus like ounces and all these crazy things. We don't really, gallons versus liters, all these terrible And we're units. not
2: even that consistent with it. Like not soda
0: is sold in liters, but milk is sold in gallons. Gallons, it's just, gasoline's in gallons versus very, we've got very fluid confusing. ounces, like I'm asking Google for conversions all the time. I would love to switch to metric. Wait, wait.
2: Can I throw out just a little gripe I have that's really yes. relevant right now? Google Home, when I ask you to convert something, just tell me the freaking conversion. Oh. I don't need to know how to convert it. I bought you for a reason. Mm. Please just say, yes, that is e- like one cup is equal to X amount of grams. You have to ask it the perfect way or it'll go. I don't want to. That's <laughs> its job. That's not my job. Yeah. It's not paying me money to learn how to do it. Uh, okay. Okay.
0: Anyway, yeah, so my my thing is Fahrenheit, and just the, the scale that we use for weather, this isn't even for anything else, like water boils at 32, or freezes at 32, but boils at 212 in Fahrenheit, like it's a weird system. It's dumb. But uh, for weather, humans are very sensitive to temperature change, and there is a real difference between 68 and 72, and you know, obviously decimals aren't the hardest thing in the world to get, but that was the one argument I saw on Twitter, which is like, if we could just use Fahrenheit just for weather, just to go from like our, you know, negative 10 or whatever to 105 degrees, that, that granularity, it's right there in the system itself. You don't have to use decimals nearly as often. That's the reason I think Fahrenheit so stubbornly stays. And if you keep Fahrenheit for degrees, Then I guess you got to keep Fahrenheit for all temperature measurement instead of just weather. You also now measure like water boiling Mm -hmm. and all the other things. Now we're just stuck on Imperial forever. So I think, I think because of how great Fahrenheit is for weather, we're stuck.
2: I still, (laughs) I I kind of understand your point in that, like, if there's a difference between the like generally four degrees and like, you know 68 to 72 i don't know if i really buy that that much i don't think there's much i i will agree if i look on the weather and it says 70 if it says a number in the 70s versus a number in the 60s like that to me i'm happier i don't know if i go outside and i generally feel the difference all that much i still think it gets confusing though where it's like snow at 32 degrees not at zero yeah i mean i weren't Clearly not hitting boiling yet. I mean, we're well on our way to getting boiling
0: outside, but um, I don't know. Yeah. I sound like such I, a Fahrenheit I, it, stand, but listen, t- listen, temperature. Like, think about like grades you get in school. Like the difference between a B oh, between a B and a B plus. No, oh no, really? It's like eighty four is a B. That's such a different. Eighty five is a B. Then eighty six is a B plus. Like, why did we go from eighty five to eighty six being B to B plus? You'd rather have a B plus than a B, and that difference is one, and that's like a zero to 100 scale. Our temperature that we live in here is generally a zero to 100 scale. Sometimes it's a little below zero or a little above 100, but generally that's where we're living. Like the granularity in that perfect set of numbers just from zero to 100 is what makes Fahrenheit great. Everywhere okay. else it sucks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Everywhere I, else it sucks. I'll give you this. If it were a, if we were in a bubble and mm. the only thing that we change changing, if I could only pick... Fahrenheit versus Celsius, and nothing else like really mattered. Like, sure, I'll pick Fahrenheit over Celsius because it's a tad bit nicer. But if we're just talking there about it is, like you agreed, if we're there talking about the whole thing, like I would rather change everything to metric and then get Celsius and of course do away with Fahrenheit and be like. Oh, no, it's 60 or it's 20.5 yeah. degrees Celsius. Outside.
0: Yeah, I just remember like changing the degrees in a car it would be like 19.5, 20, 20.5. I'm like, that's interesting. It's going by 0.5s, whereas like I'm yeah, just going by degrees. That, the
2: car argument might be a better argument if you want to make that, I think, because like if I'm in a lot of cars now, the temperature gauge it's not just, you know, red and blue. It's like you're doing an actual number. And yep. when I'm picking a number, I'm picking sometimes I am just going down Two degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. So like that. That's probably. I think that's the better way of like. Yeah. Air conditioning.
0: Air conditioning temperatures. There is a very small range of air conditioning Mm -hmm. temperatures. You might go from sixty-five Fahrenheit to seventy-five Fahrenheit. Like at least in this region in the U.S. Like sixty-five to seventy-five Fahrenheit is. 10 Fahrenheit degrees, which is probably about 5 Celsius degrees, so now you're doing. Anyway, this is all nitpicking. I would much rather have everything go metric and accept the one downside of Celsius being less accurate in the middle. I'm tired of feeling like an idiot going to other countries and just not
2: understanding anything at all. I mean, that's mostly on me, but (laughs) if I can blame it on the U.S., I would prefer to blame it on someone
0: else. Oh, school systems. All right, Adam. Um, Yeah, hit It's hot take time. Okay. Are you ready to potentially have both of us go at you? Oh, I'm ready. Bring it on. <laughs> okay. Let's okay. See it. My
1: hot take is foldable phones are not the future.
0: Foldable phones. And do you have a reason or it's just uh, not feeling it?
1: I think that they're going to be very niche in the way that, like, the Note series for the Galaxies were niche. Mm-hmm. But most people are not going to want to deal with one extra step before getting to their phone. I think by the time that foldable phones are ready, quote unquote, there's gonna be a different form factor that we're
0: all using. You know what's funny? I actually don't think that's a hot take. Damn. I think that's probably what most people also think. Damn. They see a folding I I phone. I, don't I agree. Know. <laughs> I think it's funny because I'm I, I'd consider myself pretty optimistic where I think if the tech gets good enough that folding in half is just one more feature, I've said this before, then maybe people will just get the folding version and it's just a no brainer. But that is a lot of assumptions that's that's a lot of tech that has to improve to make that possible.
2: I would go I don't think folding phones are in the next 10 years are going to be anything more than super niche. Um I think if years? they do get to a point so your main argument I feel like is the extra step. Mm-hmm. We we're seeing the outside screens where like in general they should be just as capable as your regular candy bar phone right now. Yep. Um the problem is they're super thick and they're just not <laughs> Like, we're right. not at that point, yeah, especially we're in, the first fold. That was terrible.
0: That was the first one, yeah. That so first, we're in, like, generations, generations two and three right now. Mm-hmm. So if we're going the next 10 years, imagine it gets better the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one and the cameras get better and the screens get better and the batteries get thinner and everything about every single component that makes them too thick right now or a little too unwieldy right now, all the hinges get smoother, everything gets better for eight more generations in a row. Will that still not be good enough? Don't know. I'm optimistic. I think it has to reach that
2: point, and has to reach that point with a price point that's competitive. Prices competing with everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Prices of future. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't uh, think so.
1: Hmm. I if, don't think even if everything got perfect, I still don't think.
2: Do you have a guess it. at what the different form factor might be? Because I oh, I love oof. this question. We've had this conversation before, that's and I tough. really enjoy people thinking about different form factors of phones
1: so this is gonna be very boring but i think we have the perfect form factor already you're just right. a slab of glass and i my think pocket. about that a lot <laughs> yeah
0: when you see a, f- a future a movie that takes place in the future they inevitably just have like a candy bar factor form factor thing with like mm-hmm. a projection at best
2: i was gonna say i th- is the new form factor essentially like a projection or even like a almost like a non-physical thing. Like let's imagine Google Glass in the future where now you are seeing your phone in a, in a viewpoint that only you can see and like, you know, hand movements or something is what's actually doing the typing. Well, that's that's more than 10 years. Because like who cares about, who cares about a, a screen that can fold to be six inches when you can have a screen that's 60 inches that only you can see?
1: I think there's going to be a lot of that, but I think that the main hub of all of the computing that's going on is still going to be the phone in your pocket
0: yeah i agree i think i think i've i consider myself short-sighted when i think that but i i can't help but think that so i would still call it a hot
2: take though i think there's a lot of people that would disagree with that and All i right. s-
0: we'll see about those comments I, we'll yeah see where i'm we, where we land.
2: i'm actually really interested in people. if people on our discord in the podcast uh discussion section i would really like to hear your opinions because i kind of do i don't know I think they're going to be a thing eventually. I just think we're way farther than we think.
1: It might not be a hot take, but it's a slow burn.
2: Slow burn. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, Still, hit us with another one. On. Hit us with another one.
1: All right, another one. Garmin makes the best smartwatches.
0: That is a hot take. <laughs> I I would say, Ooh. now, I've never I've never used a Garmin smartwatch, but when you say the best smartwatch, my brain immediately goes to Apple Watch. So now you have to kind of probably qualify. Yeah. Best smartwatch? overall or best smartwatch that isn't for the iPhone?
1: I would argue best smartwatch overall because even with Apple devices, the only thing that people genuinely care about is notifications and health features. Mm -hmm. And Garmin is just as good, if not better, with health features. And the higher end models, which are super expensive, also handle notifications very well. They just don't plug into iPhone the way that the Apple Watch does for obvious reasons.
0: I think that's maybe the reason the Apple Watch has such a strong foothold. And I think the reason the Apple Watch is the most popular watch in the world isn't because it's like, you know, technically better than the Garmin's, but it does plug into the iPhone user in a way that none others can, and it's almost unfair that that's what makes it the best smartwatch, but that's a big part of why it's the best well, smartwatch.
1: popular or best?
0: Both, it is the most popular because it is the best option. And I also think aesthetics might be a little of a underrated thing since it is technically a fashion accessory. Mm-hmm. A lot of people- Do you think it goes in
2: favor of, of Apple in Watch? In favor of the Apple Watch, I, I would think. argue. The exact opposite. <laughs> I would the argue the the majority of people who begin. enjoy, and I'm sure Adam can sis. Let me tell He's a watch out. person. That's um, true. If you are a watch person, the Apple Watch is not something you're excited to get. But how many how so many different. humans on
0: Earth are watch people? Are, uh, watch or like a watch person. There are seven of us. watch.
2: There are there are a lot. I mean, you can be a watch person without being like a Rolex like expensive watch I person. Think the, like, but but watches just in general like. In terms of the fashion accessory that they are, and like if we're talking about wearing a watch with like a suit or something like that, or as a like kind of dress-up fashion, mm-hmm. Apple Watch doesn't quite hit that. Where sure regular watches do, and Garmin watches are closer to that. Now I also have a Garmin watch that I would not consider like really looking that much like a normal watch because it's a very standard version of it. But I do love it for the health features that it has. I yeah. will only really wear it when I'm working out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fine. I think the one Adam has is much much nicer than I have and it look like it just looks like a watch. That's what
0: watches look yeah, yeah. like these days. I think you might I think I could agree with that the Garmin watch is a better smartwatch for some people, but I think the Apple Watch is actually for a lot of iPhone users the best available overall smartwatch. For
2: iPhone. Well, yeah. so here's the Which thing. Which is if, a lot of people. And I also think in terms of most popular if you are looking at a Garmin watch to buy and you're not 100% sold on it already, you're looking at other companies that make things that are similar. Mm-hmm. If you are in the market for just a smartwatch and you only have one option. Apple Watch doesn't have competitors in my eyes because the people who an Apple Watch works for it doesn't have a, a competition really. Yeah. Does that mean it's the best? You could probably argue that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's I mean there is the a- uh,
0: it's because iPhones are very popular. I, I gotta know. try one of these Garmin a, that ones. That is a hot take. I do. I'll I'll end it with this. I need to try a Garmin smartwatch because I have not tried one yet. And if you want to go into a like, lot of good looking ones, because I do believe also there are a lot of ones that also have the secondary,
2: uh, like monitors that you can hook up if you're trying to get like really intense. Uh, yeah, because like most of, body measurements and stuff. Yep, like that.
0: Most of what I use, most of what I use the watch for is the health features, meaning fitness tracking and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Uh, time and notifications, and then sort of like a once in a while, I'll be like, What's the weather on my watch? or I'll ask Siri something, but that's very rare. So, yeah, I'm going to try one of those out.
2: Garmin definitely has
0: everything you were just
2: talking about. Sweet.
0: Yeah. All right. Maybe one more. One, one more? more hot do you, take. Do you have
1: any more? I have another. Hot what's, take. Adam? What's the spiciest
0: available <laughs> remaining <laughs> Spicy take? Adam. The
1: spiciest one I have is Clubhouse will be back. It is not done.
2: Interesting.
1: I think it is
2: with a new with a new like feature. Is that how it comes back? Not really. I just
1: think everyone kind of wrote it off already as a social media thing that flopped and failed. It was just a pandemic kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think they're not done yet. I think they're going to come back.
2: Here's one thing. I actually saw someone I used to work with who is not in the tech world at all posting that they were hosting a clubhouse just to like talk about something they were interested in. And I was like, this is not where I was expecting to see Clubhouse talk. Yeah. It pops um, up once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was really interesting. It's definitely broken into the mainstream, which is sometimes for us tech people, it's hard to like really remember that there's not nerds out there. Well, this that is that what like happened. Like I, that.
0: My, the way I observed Clubhouse was it was iOS only. And I I pay attention to numbers. So I was looking at like how many people that I follow were actually using it in hosting rooms. Uh I think I, when it was iPhone only, I think I had about 30,000 followers on Clubhouse. Oh, wow. And I I slowly stopped using it. I kept getting notifications from it. So I was like, you know, I could see when it was being used by people I followed. And then one day I just checked back after Android joined and I think I have 300,000 followers on Clubhouse. So when you say broke into the mainstream, I just think it became much more widely available. And whenever that happens, it's, it drops a little bit of the allure of like how cool it was. And that's like a very vain thing. Like it doesn't actually matter, Yeah. but now it's like, it is much more used now than it ever has been, but not in the, in the same hype type of way where like Elon was dropping into random clubhouses. When was the last time that happened? Um, the, the. Most popular show that I follow on Clubhouse, the Good Times, uh, I guess it's sort of a podcast basically, uh, you know, had Mr. Beast on and had, you know, Addison Ray on and had all kinds of these really interesting people on, and I haven't really heard about any of these lately. And maybe it's because I'm not paying enough attention, but I'd be curious what Clubhouse coming back looks like. I
2: guess what I'm saying when I when I said mainstream, it's like all of what you said you know, Mr. Beast and Addison Ray aren't tech people, but they're still like in this creator community kind of thing, like people who follow social platforms. And like the person I saw was just someone I used to work in a restaurant with that just like is not attached to any of these. And this was recent. It was like last week. Yeah. And hosting a clubhouse room and posting about it on Facebook Mm -hmm. and probably not getting a ton of people. But just like even if they're just trying stuff like that, I'm assuming they're getting a couple. And like, that does kind of feel like it's hitting a small social platform, the early stages of it. But
0: it's a good, yeah, it's a good anecdotal indicator. I just don't very, know how well it's it, about
2: as anecdotal as you. Yeah, can Yeah, I don't know. Um,
0: I I remember Zuckerberg in a room and like I don't know. I just that sort of thing. It's been a while since I've seen that kind of stuff. So I wonder if they what what would it take for Clubhouse to come back is my real question. Is it going to be? some big social push is it going to be some big event that happens on clubhouse do you have a specific reasoning as
2: to why you think it's going to come back
1: my reasoning is very optimistic i'm kind of looking at it the same way that the same thing that happened to snapchat where snapchat came out with stories instagram copied them Uh, everything has stories now but snapchat still carved out a niche where it's killing it and i think clubhouse is going to be the same thing but for audio where if they can keep innovating and being creative with audio features, they're gonna have that niche audio audience.
0: Okay. I think that's possible. Because if you consider Snapchat's current state a success, I think Clubhouse can can do that.
2: Snapchat hit its success by pivoting essentially, though, because like their big thing now is AR and like Bitmoji essentially, and they a, right? They have a
0: bunch of shows, and they still do yes. stuff. Those they are not good. Shows. I'm just saying they do them.
2: A show on Snapchat, like that, might be one of the dumber things I've heard of. Um, but
0: that's because we're not in the target audience. They are I, massive. It's very shows. true. But, massive.
2: Um. So yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess I, I would, I can see that being something similar. But then they would have to create some sort of. Th- special specialized something for audio that changes the industry and they might i mean clubhouse changed the industry already and it has a million competitors um it birthed all of its competitors it birthed, um, yeah <laughs> yeah interesting i like that one
1: yeah we'll see we'll check back in in a year and see how wrong i was
0: we'll see <laughs> i want to leave i still haven't used clubhouse oh well, I'm gonna bring can. it back. We're bringing it. No, you I'm can just now. <laughs> We're not bringing it back. I'm gonna leave this question with people at the end because I think I feel like you can tweet at us or let us know in the comments section. Is Clubhouse a feature or a social network? Yeah, is it an entire to- thing? I think we've we've sort of dabbled in this, but let us know what you actually think the answer is in the comments because at this point it's clear that lots of other companies believe it's a feature and that they can mm-hmm. just build into their app and then. There it is. They've done it. They've done what they had to do. But Clubhouse by itself could have something to it. So let us know what you think in the comments.
2: I can just say if I were Clubhouse, I would have sold out like immediately and just made a ton of money and then never sold worked to again. LinkedIn. I would yeah. have LinkedIn. Oh, man. actually Clubhouse. Clubhouse would work really good on LinkedIn that sounds like the perfect place for a bunch of that like, is pretty funny. hustle gurus to just like yeah. spew nonsense for a while there it is there's well, my hot take
0: there's our first my round of hot, hot takes. takes I thought that was <laughs> uh, a fun segment I'm I really
2: it. I'm kind of bummed I didn't think of one but I will definitely think of one for next time we have this segment
0: we'll bring it back yeah. we'll bring it back well In either case, we'll be back next week. We've got a bunch more exciting stuff coming up, Uh, an exciting video I'm hoping to drop pretty soon, and maybe an exciting car will be in our hands soon. So we'll see about all that by next week. But in either case, make sure you're subscribed if you haven't already been on YouTube and anywhere you listen. And we'll catch you guys on Waveform in the next one.
2: Waveform is produced by Adam Molina. We were brought to you in part with Studio 71, and our intro-outro music was created by Vane Sill.